welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for FootballOutsiders.com, part of Edge Sports. We're entering the waiver wire period for week 11, and I'm going to have my old friend and coworker Jeff Ratcliffe back on to discuss his favorite options for the week. But before we get to that interview, I want to discuss with you an exclusive offer from Football Outsiders. We're the innovators of modern football analytics with proprietary metrics you know and love like DVOA and DYAR. Those metrics are used by teams, and they can be great tools for your fantasy uh, lineups as well. So get the most out of your fantasy team's DFS lineups with an FO Plus package. You can become an outsider today with promo code FANTASY25, which will save you 25% off site-wide. That's code FANTASY25 to save 25% off site-wide on all of Football Outsiders tools and statistics. The show is also brought to you by Edge Sports. That's EDJ Sports. Trusted by Super Bowl champions and billion-dollar betting syndicates, only Edge Sports offers a fully customized play probability engine, interactive matchup models, and spread and over-under projections. You can find your Edge today with the promo code FANTASY50 to save 55% off site-wide. That's code FANTASY50 to save 50% off site-wide on all of Edge Sports packages. Okay, let's head over to that interview with Jeff. Okay, I'm joined on the line by Jeff Ratcliffe, fantasy analyst for FTN Fantasy. Jeff, welcome back to the show. It's been a few weeks. How have the last few weeks treated you? Uh, well, they've gone so fast, I could hardly answer that question. I'm, I mean, we're <laughs> blinking. Yeah, we're at week. We're staring down week eleven. If you play season long fantasy football, you only have three weeks left in your fantasy regular seasons. Uh, but the good news, though, and what I always like about this time of year is like, okay, that's winding down, but the football season. We're, we go to week 21, so we still have plenty of football left. Yeah, it's, it's getting really good from both perspectives right now. I, I think it really occurred to me how late we were in the season when, um, I don't know if you ever get those like fantasy pros ask you for a couple of questions every now and then, and I got to, like, who are you trading for in a way because of the fantasy playoffs? And I'm like, oh my God, the fantasy playoffs, they're happening like right now. So yeah, it's going really quickly. Um, and as such, I think it's probably another good week to go through the waiver wire options. There's not a ton of weeks left before the playoffs before you can really impact your team. So it may also be a good week to use a lot of your fab if you have a lot left. But uh, Jeff, maybe help the people out with who they can take to, to maybe improve their rosters heading into week 11. Well, and, and heading into week 11 and maybe just for week 11 is my first okay. recommendation. Savan Ahmed. Yes. Who I actually talked about right when Miles Gaskin went down. You know, he was flying under the radar. But when you look at the Miami backfield, Jordan Howard, I don't know what he has to do for people to finally realize like <laughs> he's not he's not a good fantasy option for sure. And now obviously this week he's not even an option for this team anymore. So we had him. We had Patrick Laird, who cult hero that he is. He's just a guy. They trade for DeAndre Washington, and you know, obviously he wasn't even up to speed this week. And Malcolm Perry, hey, I, I love Malcolm Perry. That's the deep dynasty guy in me, but he's not really a running back, you know? No, he's so, maybe a wildcat back at, at Exactly. Best. Yeah, exactly. So Ahmed just made so much sense, and and I, I felt like I was just out on an island. I even had him as a recommendation last week at just 3% fab. And I, I don't know if anybody else had him out there. I don't know if anybody even picked him up. But this week, what did we see? 21 for 85, which is pretty solid. He's not mm -hmm. special. He, I mean, he's a 4-6 guy at the combine. But what you like about him is he does everything right and then adds that extra catch in the passing game. So overall, a really solid week for him. Now, why I say it's maybe only a one-week rental or maybe a two-week rental is because we will eventually see Gaskin back. And this team is a good team now that obviously is in the – how about that? They're in the playoff hunt. Their defense is balling <laughs> oh, yeah. out. 
They have Tua under center. Tua's looking as efficient and as smart as ever. It wasn't the biggest fantasy day or anything like that. But from a football standpoint, you like what he brings to the table for them. Won't make the same mistakes that Fitzpatrick uh, will make. Maybe doesn't have the high high ceiling like Fitzpatrick, but still, I don't buy in into Matt Breda being a, a workhorse either. So if Matt Breda came back, maybe that wipes out some of the Perry snaps. It wipes out maybe a little bit of what Laird, the very little that he has. But yeah. I I think Brian Flores recognizes guys who earn the spot and then gives it to him. Early in the season, people weren't necessarily buying that Gaskin was going to be the guy, and then it, and he was. So for now, I think this is a really interesting player. I would not go overboard, though. He's not a 50-plus percent guy. He's not even a 20-plus percent guy for me because, like I said, he, he's going to be due back at Blockbuster Video in a week or two. <laughs> so renting him, I mean, I would go 10 to 15%. Your fab isn't worth as much as it used to be. But I wouldn't get too crazy. But if you are in a position where you need a running back, you at least get uh, another week with him. It's kind of funny because I was not optimistic enough entering the week, Jeff. I mean, one of the people, like you said, that wasn't high enough on Ahmed. I was kind of thinking DeAndre Washington, a guy that had, had shown versatility as a rusher and receiver previously in his career. But I think the Dolphins made it pretty clear that Ogman was going to be their guy. Uh, he played 76% of the offensive snaps versus just 7% for Washington. So that's about as definitive as it gets. And you mentioned the 4 6 two, 40 time, obviously slow for a running back, but I thought the game speed looked clearly better to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one run in particular that stood out. He had an 18-yard carry where he just like completely outsped linebacker Kazir White, and I was just kind of looking at numbers and stuff. And White had a 4 6 two, 40 time as well. It was at his personal pro day, so maybe it's a little bit juiced up. But still, I mean, I think this isn't a James Robinson situation where it's like, oh, man, everybody just totally missed this, I think. But I think he's a better back than some of the numbers would suggest. Um, Weirdly, he actually played college ball at Washington along with Miles Gaskin. And he also had a lot more receiving touches there than Gaskin did. So I think he he could see a little bit more work as a receiver. Already showed the, that he's probably the preferred goal line option with the one-yard touchdown in this week. So... Agree with you. I don't know what's going to happen when Gaskin specifically comes back after he has to miss at least one more week being on injured reserve. But for now, it seems like Ahmed suddenly is kind of a workhorse, and I totally endorse him from fantasy. And I would spend more than 15% of your fab. Um, if you need a running back in the short term, I would consider spending all of it, given how much time is left in the fantasy season to actually make the playoffs if you need to do that. You know, and you mentioned the goal line carry. I, I should also point out seven carries in the red zone as well. Yes. And, and granted, okay, well, is a carry from the 20 worth the same as it is from the three? No, but the fact of the matter is the team is willing to give him the ball in that part of the field. These are highly mm-hmm. valuable touches. So uh, you're bullish. You're definitely bullish. But, you know, at the same time, though, I can't really knock that perspective because if you want to win a fantasy championship, Scott, you know how hard it is. Even yes. you could have everything go your way up until week 16 and and then whatever, you didn't win. So you do have to be aggressive. So I, I could see that. I'm just not I'm not going to overspend for a guy that I don't think is necessarily going to be the starter when uh, Gaskin yeah. comes back. But dynasty wise, though, too, this is interesting because you don't have a performance like this and, and just go completely unnoticed. Like teams are going to take note of this. And there's a potential that, uh, you know, we, we could see some more of Ahmed in the future. Yeah, this is definitely a situation where you need to sort of judge where your team stands to help you make those fab decisions. And I feel the same way about my number one recommendation for the week, Wayne Gallman, who 
he's still available in more than half of ESPN leagues and exactly half of Yahoo leagues. And I think the reason for that is he's had kind of weird timing from her fantasy back after Devonte Freeman got hurt a few weeks ago, Gallman was playing his first game as the probably starter on Monday night. So, you know, fantasy players might've had a lot of fear that if Freeman did play, suddenly Gallman wouldn't have any value and they wouldn't have a backup to use. And since then, Freeman had been questionable entering the last two weeks. And so you didn't even know if Gallman was going to play or not. But suddenly Freeman lands on injured reserve as of the weekend. So he's going to miss at least the next two weeks with his injury. And Gallman has now had three straight games where he's put up some fantasy production, more than 10 carries in all of them, four total touchdowns across them. And I would say that I didn't really expect Gallman to be clearly the, the touchdown scorer for the Giants. Alfred Morris is bigger. Morris is five foot ten and two twenty-two whereas Gallman is six foot and 210. So at least by BMI standards, Gallman would be the significantly smaller back. But he's clearly been the touchdown scorer, 2.73 opportunity adjusted rushing touchdowns versus 0.16 uh, for Morris. And really that's kind of all that I need to see to know that I think he's going to have some fantasy production going forward. He played 40, uh, 59% of the team's snaps on Sunday compared to 21% for Morris and 20% for Deion Lewis, the receiving back. This is kind of a borderline, I mean, probably a, a higher higher ceiling like RB2 than, than running back one, but a guy that can really help you out. Um, the real question is the fact that the Giants are having their bye in week 11. So again, it's a, if you need a guy to help you out this week, then maybe Ahmed is more your guy. But for the next few weeks after that, maybe it's Gallman, and maybe it could even be Gallman into the fantasy playoffs. What do you think, Jeff? I think, uh, well, something that we need to be noted, it's actually not weeks for IR, it's games. Games. So you Absolutely. have to miss three games for Freeman. So that means we won't see Freeman until at least week 14. So I, I think this is a good call out here. Uh, Wayne Gallman, I have to apologize to because I was calling him the East Coast David Montgomery initially a couple <laughs> weeks ago. I'm sorry, Wayne. You're a little bit better than that. And and what I really like is what you pointed out. You would think, oh, well, Alfred Morris could get some goal line looks. No. Five goal line carries to to Wayne Gallman carries inside the five yard line, and he scored four, all four of his touchdowns on that those yeah. carries. That's crucial right there. The guy has a nose for the end zone, and sure, the volume isn't necessarily massive, the efficiency isn't superb, but if you're going to get those high value touches, then you're going to have fantasy value going forward. And and Scott, I actually was in a position where I'd been streaming tight ends and I was back and forth between Eric Ebron and Dallas Goddard. I ended up rolling with Goddard and I, I saw Gallman at like 1245 right before the games yesterday. And he's like, you know what? I'm not going to let anybody else have him. And, and it may be I just end up cutting him on Tuesday. I'm not going to play. I didn't need to play him, but yeah. I dropped Ebron, scooped him up. And now I'm looking at him like, wow, I, I got out ahead of that one. And I'll probably will end up playing him down the stretch here a little bit. I think you're the, the Giants. You're surging. You had a really key win here. Your defense is playing good. Daniel Jones finally looks like he gets it a little bit. And you're you're in a position where, well, now maybe we didn't need to sign Devonta Freeman. Maybe we just had the guy all along in our, in, in, you know, in our locker room with Wayne Gallman mm -hmm. to replace Saquon Barkley. So I, I think he's going to be just fine going forward. And I agree with your take that he is an RB2 going forward. Excellent. Okay, perfect. Well, hit us with your second waiver choice for week 11 then. Yeah, so uh, this is uh, one that I, I didn't think was going to happen this quickly heading into Thursday Night Football, but Michael Pittman Jr., the, the Vincent Jackson 2.0 comp, finally came to fruition <laughs> in this game. 
I, you know, I'm, I, I'm happy. I'm really happy because the receiving core in Indy all season long has just been this sort of trash heap for fantasy purposes. T Y Hilton has frustrated people. Uh, Zach Pascal is kind of just a guy type Marcus Johnson. Really? You know, he's a practice squad guy. The name was supposed to be Pittman. It was, he was supposed to be the guy earlier in the season and, you know, after the injuries, here he goes out. Pretty solid game last week, but then this week was really that signature breakout game. 57 snaps uh, in, in this contest out of uh, a possible 70 because there was a Jacoby Brissett <laughs> rushing touchdown. Sure. Uh, but um, still, really solid. He outsnaps T.Y. Hilton by 10 snaps. He outsnaps Pascal by 10 snaps. And it's the target volume as well. He looked like. You know, Rivers finally was like, all right, I have eyes for somebody who's not a tight end. And, you know, downfield, he's getting the targets, goes up over 100. I, I mean, he has that. He has the look of a wide receiver three going forward. And and certainly if you have him in Dynasty, you have to be happy about that. But But I really like what we saw here. And this is the time of year, Scott. Every year we see this, rookies turn corners in November. Mm-hmm. And guys who look like they weren't going to be anything all of a sudden can be something down the stretch for you. And every year, I don't know about you, but when I've won leagues, it really is a lot of times based on these key pickups that you make when you're half a month and a half out from the fantasy championship. And then the guys end up being, you know, they light up uh, all fantasy scoring down the stretch. I mean, it, it, I don't think he's going to be a wide receiver one, but you need no. role playing wide receiver threes who have upside. And, and that's exactly what Pittman is. He may not be a wide receiver one, but I think it's pretty clear at this point that he's the Colts' number one wide receiver, mm-hmm. which is something that we may not have been clued into this whole time. But I also don't think Pittman is necessarily like a DeAndre Swift type of rookie who is progressing, 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 and now is turning the quarter now that it's you know week 11. Pittman's been a little bit more consistent than I think we've realized because his own calf injury really disrupted what he was doing. He played more than 80% of the snaps back in week two before he got hurt in week three and has played 80% or more of the snaps the last two weeks as well. So it's a little bit more consistent than I think is obvious from just looking at his production from a week-to-week basis. And that's great. I mean, I think the Colts are probably going to play conservatively on offense, even with Pittman kind of emerging as their guy on the outside. They just have a really good defense, top five in DVOA, and they, I think they're going to probably stick to being more run-focused so Philip Rivers doesn't throw away all of their games. But, I mean, Pittman, I agree with you, a wide receiver three in fantasy as the top guy for their team, absolutely, and maybe get a little bit of consistent target volume in that respect. And I guess speaking of target volume, I'll introduce my second player for, for Week 10 is Jacoby Myers for the Patriots. Uh, Jeff, I do a lot of of my sort of focus for fantasy pickups based on percentages, like target percentages, carry percentages, that sort of stuff. And if you just look at that, then Myers is kind of pops off 38.5% target share since week seven is the highest among all wide receivers. I think it's become clear that the Patriots aren't like every other team. And if you just look at target percentage, it's going to inflate how good that makes the wide receivers look. They're just going to run and run and run whenever they can. But even when they build the leads and can kind of warp the the game script into their favor, Myers still seems to be getting the work. And even by total volume, his 37 targets those last four games is seventh most among wide receivers. And I would say critically is more than double Demir Bird, who has 15, and Rex Burkett, who has 13 behind him. And Keel Harry came back for this week, played a healthy number of snaps, but still went untargeted. Maybe in there more as a run blocker, which is probably not what you want from your top draft pick. But hey, I mean, 
drafting is drafting, whatever. That was just a guess. And suddenly Jacoby Meyer seems like a consistent producer as a receiver. Never mind his his passing chops, maybe the best pure passer on the team at this point. But um, I mean, I don't know. Like it's it's a weird team to rely on a on a pass catcher for, but he's just getting the ball so much more than every other player on the team that I'm thinking that maybe he's a pretty good add too, even in PPR formats. Do you think that's crazy? Not at all. And and you mentioned the passing. I mean, converted college quarterback, converted quarterback Absolutely. early in his career. Uh, and, you know, it's funny when I watched Kelvin Harmon was, you know, his college teammate. And that was the kid everybody was looking at. Oh, Kelvin yeah. Harmon, Kelvin Harmon. Scott, when I watched those games, I'm like, who's the other guy? <laughs> like, and I'm like, oh, my God, Jacoby Myers is pretty freaking good. Now, granted, is he a rock star athlete? Four, three, four. No, no not at That's all. That's the thing. He's the slot receiver, like the Julian Edelman type of like. Mm-hmm physical tool set where you just, it's easy to overlook that from a scouting perspective, but he's just a much better player than his tools would indicate. And I know that it's so cliche, but football IQ, I mean, it's off the charts with him. So smart knows, you know, I I think he's the one who sort of cracked the nut. Like he understands Cam Newton and he's like, if I do these things, I'm going to get the football and that's what's happening. I actually love it. Now I, I don't like the passing game whatsoever, but no. As you mentioned, I mean, in this game on on you know, Monday or in Sunday Night Football, there were seven wide receiver targets. He he saw all seven of them. Like <laughs> Demir Bird was not targeted, Nikhil Harry not targeted. Um, you know, uh, Matt Slater was apparently out there for a snap. I'm, I don't remember that snap. I have sure. the snaps in front of me. <laughs> but it, it, and even the tight ends, you know, historically you think, okay, well it's it's New England. No, Ryan Izzo had one target. You know, there's there's nothing there uh, other than. Jacoby Myers and and that's pretty good actually for Jacoby Myers we saw a much bigger game last week than this week but this was a tougher matchup I mean you're going up against a much better secondary and we do know that if he goes up against a softer secondary that yeah triple digit yardage uh, double digit catches that's all potentially there I, I do like this call out and I think especially if you're in formats that are full PPR, even half PPR, if you still play non-PPR, doesn't have as much value because apparently Cam Newton just can't throw touchdown passes to his wideouts. But I do like a nice it. bounce pass to him in the end zone. So yeah, I don't there know. you go. Does that count? <laughs> uh, it turns out it didn't. No. Oh, okay. I, I got to know my rule book better. But yeah, I, I like it. And I, I really like that he's playing well. You know, he seems to have the chip on his shoulder as well that you see with a lot of these UDFA guys, which I, I really like. I mean, we just talked about Ahmed. I really yeah. like when they get the opportunity and they show you don't have to be a first round pick to, to make an impact in the NFL. Myers is doing just that. Absolutely. Okay. One more guy for you to hit. Who was your third recommendation for a week 11 waiver wire ad? All right. I'm going to go for it. I'll take the cheese here. It's Marquez Valdez Scantling. And Obviously, we've been down this road many times in his very short NFL career. Are we going to buy in or not? And the reason why I'm actually buying in here now, no Alan, Alan Lazard just yet. And Alan Lazard could change things for, for sure. But what I'm seeing with MVS that we really hadn't historically seen is the deep depth of target. You know, he's he's the he's merged as the downfield threat. And it is pretty interesting looking at air yards. Now, Devontae Adams obviously has significantly more targets. Now, he hasn't played in every game, but Devontae Adams air yards on the season, uh, I currently have at 742. 
Uh, MVS is at 774, you know, and he's nowhere near the same amount of target volume. So that it's that big play upside. It's the fact that Aaron Rodgers seems to now have a little bit more confidence in him as well. We've seen that over the course of Rodgers career where you can tell when he starts to riff with certain receivers because they will start to see those those targets a little bit more. And uh, he puts that ball out there for them. So uh, it's not really the touchdown production. I'm not really looking at that. I, I'm like you, Scott, where I don't look at last week's fantasy points scored or anything like that. I, I actually think yeah. that's a huge mistake that people make. When they go and make waiver claims, they sort by last week's fantasy points scored or by projected fantasy points. And you should never do that because if you sort by projected fantasy points, you are sorting out everybody on by and you just don't even see them out of sight, out of mind. It's yeah, like drafting online and just using the ADP of the site. You, you're going to make mistakes that way. But I'm not buying in on that. It's more really the air yards, the deep A dot that has me intrigued by him. So if I'm looking for bang for my buck down the stretch with Aaron Rodgers playing at, you know, vintage Aaron Rodgers level, then MVS, I think he could do a whole lot worse then. Yeah, you may be true. I, like I've been of a mixed mind on Valdez Scantling. I remember he had a really big week one this season and I was like, already realizing that maybe Aaron Rodgers was going to have a nice bounce back fantasy season. I was like, Oh, maybe Valdez Scantling is the guy to pick up from that respect. Uh, but I realized at the time too, that he had the highest ratio of his fantasy points coming on passes thrown 20 or more yards down the field. Mm -hmm. So it's not just that he's getting targeted on the occasional deep shot. He kind of needs that to work out for him to end up having a successful fantasy day. And so I don't really know what to do with that. Like maybe you can use him as sort of a, a high upside DFS tournament play, but I'm not even sure what the right times are to use him because I would have absolutely told you that week 10 wasn't the time because there was heavy wind projected to happen in green Bay. And I was like, yeah, oh, they may just kind of rely on Aaron Jones and just run this uh, Jaguars team to an, to an easier victory. That's not what ended up happening. And so maybe that's just evidence that I'm underrating what Valdez Scantling can do from a versatility standpoint, but do you think that he's like a matchup consideration or is this even maybe a shallow format? This is a guy that you could maybe pick up and rely on later in the season. I do think it does come down to matchups because, mm -hmm. you know, while the win was a factor, that secondary has been prone to give up some big plays. That's a good point. So I, I think that, you know, you, you do have to be careful. You know, would, would I play him against, and I, I don't even know their schedule going forward, but would I play him against the Rams? No, 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 no. But <laughs> they'll have the Bears probably. That could be a tough one. Yeah, exactly. The Jaguars, a, a uh, you know, a young secondary uh, where you can, and I, I, I don't really buy into Sidney Jones, um, especially well after yesterday, but just as a whole, I mean, he played okay, but I don't buy into that for the long term. Uh, CJ Henderson, if I'm a, Jag a Jaguars fan, then I'm not going to really read too much into his rookie season. I think he can be a, a pretty good player in the long term. But he's a rookie who you can pick on. And then Trey Herndon, especially. Like, you can yeah. pick on Trey Herndon. So, I, I, I think that this may be a little bit of the product of the matchup, but the nice thing is, and I always say this, Scott, I, I want a guy to be able to take advantage of a good matchup. Like if you're Absolutely. supposed yes. to take advantage of it, then do it. It's just like in the preseason, people will say, oh, I don't care about the third stringers. I care because I want to see the third stringer out there who stands out above everybody else. You know, that was the reason why I knew who Austin Eckler was way before, because in week four of his rookie year preseason, he went off, in, you know, in yeah. that game. So, you know, I, I, if, they're, if they have the opportunity, they have the matchup, then they should take advantage of it. And he did. So 
I think you could possibly use him at times down the stretch, or better yet, sometimes there's defensive moves in season-long fantasy football where if I pick him up, then he's not going to be in my opponent's starting lineup. If I have the room on my bench to do it, then I'll, I'll do it. I think that's a great call. Okay, I've got one more player to recommend as well, and I'll circle back to the Patriots for this one to recommend Damian Harris. He had 22 carries and 121 yards in the heavy rain on Sunday night, Um, and this is the first time that he really cracked into what I think to be a significant workload share of the offensive snaps. Played 55%. His previous high on the season was 40%. Burkhead was at 34%, and James White at 17%. So it's, it's clearly still not a, like, bell cow back type of situation. And I think the game script definitely contributed to his usage, but I think it's kind of getting to the point too, where it just, it just seems like he's really, really good Uh, for the season entering the week. He had an 18% rushing DVOA rate uh, and Sony Michelle had finished below average in both 2018 and 2019. So below 0%. He just seems like a much more effective back than Michelle and Michelle lingering on injured reserve. The Patriots seemingly could activate him at any point this season, but at this point, I really don't see Michelle taking that job back in any meaningful way. And so while Harris hasn't been getting any work as a receiver, and I'm not sure that's going to change going forward, his effectiveness as a runner and the Patriots, you know, their game plan, it seems like every week is going to be to run the ball as much as they can. This may be another situation where you need to use the matchups to help figure out whether they're going to potentially get blown out in the game and won't be able to run the ball as much as they intend. But I think the talent is really motivating my interest in picking up Harris and seeing if the Patriots can kind of rally in the second half of the season, get some favorable game scripts for running, and then have Harris produce based on a little bit of volume and not just the, you know, near the goal line and with receptions the way that a lot of running backs manage to do. What do you think about that, Jeff? Do you think in team meetings, you know, he raises his hand and says, I used to catch the ball at Alabama. (laughs) How are they not using him at all in the passing game? Like at all, at all. It's so frustrating. Targets on the season. It's It's so frustrating. Not not at all. He, he was okay. I mean, he wasn't great, but he could catch the ball out of the backfield. They did use him that way at Alabama. Um, I, I, Hey, you look at what he's done. This guy has 300 yard games already this season, which is kind of surprising. And really, I thought against the Jets, even though it wasn't an enormous performance, I thought all around he looked pretty good. You know, he's creating after contact. He is, Mm -hmm. you know, he's he he has multiple runs of 10 plus like he, he has some explosive plays. He's not the most explosive back. Nobody expects him to be that. But when you're able to do what he's he's doing right now and you have the opportunity to basically be the primary ball carrier on a run-heavy offense, I mean, absolutely, I agree. Uh, the one problem, especially if you are P- uh, full-point PPR, yeah, that lack there, I mean, this game goes down as uh, 12.1 fantasy points no matter what scoring system you're in. That hurts in, in a full PPR. You know, in in a in a There's non no PPR, that. that's not that bad. I I do, Scott. It also is like a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. Like, you know, for example, Derrick Henry this week, or or whoever. When people will say, "Ah, oh, he didn't have a good game," and it's like, no, he did. He just didn't score a touchdown. Yeah. So because we we only think that way in fantasy, it leads to these like misperceptions. But overall, yeah, I like him. I just would be careful in PPR, but I do like him, and I, I, I do agree with you. I don't think Sony Michelle's getting that job back. 
Okay, that's going to wrap up this Tuesday episode of the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. Jeff, thanks so much for joining me. Why don't you tell all of our listeners where they can read and watch and, and everything else with all of your great work? Yeah, absolutely. Go check out everything at ftnfantasy.com, ftndaily.com, and ftnbets.com. That's the whole FTN network. At Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter and Instagram. The Rant with Jeff Ratcliffe is my podcast. Per- perfectly named. Yes. Well, even better. <laughs> I got one more for you. The Jeff Ratcliffe Show on Sirius XM. Uh, we go from 10 to noon Eastern, Monday through Friday. And then on Sunday mornings, 8 to noon Eastern on that other pregame show, which is a, a good name, Tops, uh, abbreviated, yep. on CBS Sports Network. So everybody check all of that out. And then please circle back to this episode, to this podcast this Friday to hear all of my DFS thoughts entering week 11. Thanks so much. And I'll talk to everybody then. Mm-hmm.